0: Okay, are we there? Everybody here? Then I suppose, without further ado, we can uh, continue. Professor, over to you. Thank you, Peter. Uh, I prepared this uh, little chart here during the break, which might help you to see the possibilities with. Our passage from equilibrium theory to this equilibrium theory makes possible what I said. This is one dimensional, this is in black and white, and we need something in three dimension, in full color, and this is going to show how we are able to enlarge the scope of our inquiry. So instead of focusing on buying separately and selling separately and independently of one another, we combine the two. So an arbitrage is a purchase and a sell, a buy and a sell, but some kind of connection between the two, that kind of activity. And very often it's not obvious that a buy, a purchase, is really an arbitrage, because the entrepreneur or the producer compensates for the purchase by a sale somewhere else and of course you wouldn't know what this sale is it's his secret okay it doesn't want to advertise because the competition might take advantage of that Now, Mises and Hayek and the rest of them realized that there was such a thing. I'm not saying that they didn't realize it, but they didn't put the sufficient emphasis on the arbitrage as the main ingredient of human action. They were studying the purchase separately, the sales separately, and somehow they miss the tremendous uh, power of combining the two. Okay. So, now, here it's always the price and the variation of the price in the equilibrium theory. Which is in view of our This equilibrium theory is the wrong approach. We should always look at the spread and the variation of the spread, which is connected with arbitrage. The arbitrage is a combination of a buy and the sell. So there will be a buying price and selling price, and the are the difference. And the variation of the price has a lot of what we call noise. It's a noisy channel. A lot of the variation is random, random variation which does not give you any useful information. This is quite different when it comes to the variation of the spread, because it cuts out a lot of the noise. I'm not saying all the noises will be eliminated, it's too much to to say, but a lot of it and therefore the information contents of the variation in the price is much smaller than the information contents of the spread. Now, again, the skill of the operator, entrepreneur or producer comes in because this variation in the spread you you have to be able to read and one person is able to read it better than another and the person who reads it best will have a great advantage. So that's where the producers and entrepreneurs take their lose from the variation of the spread far more efficient than watching the variation of the price that's why uh, I think watching the gold price to my mind is a very boring activity <laughs> regardless of how <all> the time. <laughs> because it's impossible to analyze every move in the gold price. However, if you look at the uh, spread between the gold and silver price, this is a much more productive activity. And it gives you much more information if, if you have a trained eye to see those things uh, which are interesting. And, and the same way, uh, throughout the landscape of the economy, okay? The landscape of the economy is the what I introduced in the previous lecture. There is the horizontal, and there's the vertical structure of goods. And, and, and the vertical structure shows you how the semi finished goods get matured into consumer goods. At this stage, these are all producer goods. Consumers would not buy semi-finished goods. Well, some might uh, because if you're tinkering or whatever but that's the exception. In general, the consumers are not active here. These are producer goods but they have this vertical structure. One semi-finished good matures into a definite uh, consumer good. Okay, now the horizontal structure, joined, we are joining those goods according to the remoteness from the consumer because the purpose of all production is to satisfy some consumer demand. So there are the first degree, second, third, and so on. Degree good, and the degree shows the remoteness from the consumer. The smaller the degree, the closer the good is to the consumer. So that's what we refer to as the horizontal-vertical structure of production. Okay. So the spread is an all-important concept, an all-important concept, and of course the most common Example of a spread is the bid ask spread of the same good. That was the first insight of Menger. There's always a pair of prices bid price, ask price. And the rest really <laughs> follows from this original observation of mango. And then the variation of the spread is a different kind of thing altogether from the variation of the price. Much more important. uh, I think this is something they don't really teach at, at universities. It's always the price and the variation of the Christ, they, they are looking there. But there is a lot more information in the, in the uh, spread and the variation of the spread. Now we introduce the concept of a straddle. The straddle always has two legs, the long leg and the short. And the long here doesn't refer to maturity or anything like that, but it refers to uh, buying as opposed to selling, which is the short. And uh, I would like to emphasize That a long leg, for example, does not refer necessarily to a single good, a single item. It could be a basket of goods as well. You see? So this is very general. You don't have to think of pile of apples is a long leg of some straddle, because it could be some apples, some oranges, some bananas and what have you, or even uh, foodstuff, different foodstuffs, baskets of goods which go into the kitchen of the restaurant to work with, okay? That could be a long leg as well. So when you vary your long leg, there's all kinds of combinations, much more than if you just define long leg as quantity of certain item, much more wider. Also, in the long lag, the concept of the long leg, we could include uh, other things as well, such as the, uh, the wages, you know, the wage bill. When you're talking about producing something it's not just ingredients such as goods or basket of goods, or, but also services. We want to have keep the concept of a long leg, but also a short leg, wide enough to cover the wage bill as well, or any kind of expense other than, you know, Price of a good could go into the long lap. Let's think of other services than than uh, wages, about telephone bill or electricity or insurance costs. These can also go into long black. So when you vary your long leg, it could be that you are trying to save on the phone bill or electricity or you move from one insurance company to another because it has better services. So all of these are incorporated under the concept of long leg and short leg. Long leg when you start working with a new insurance company, for instance, and short-leg when you decide that you want to uh, move your business away from that insurance company. You weren't satisfied, so you moved another one that would go into the short-leg. So, you know, treat all this as generally as possible. Almost to the breaking point when it no longer makes sense. Because uh, the problem says you are mixing apples and oranges. This is quite all right here. Feel free to mix apples and oranges. But then you can think of some outrageous combination which no longer makes sense. I don't. Have already ready example from that, but just stretch all these concepts to the limits of uh, extreme where they may still make sense. So, okay, a straddle always has at least two legs. Sure. And the long but sometimes we uh, find it to our advantage to consider a struggle with more than two legs, and there are typically three of them which are worth studying. But again, I am not saying this is strict because you might just find three legs worth studying. In my rather simplified theory, I am concentrating on these three. So let's discuss them separately. What is a four-leg straddle? A two-leg straddle? And a Believe it or not, there is even a one-leg straddle. In fact, I say right away what it is. For example, the housewives moving her custom from one brand of detergent to another is a one-leg straddle. Now why? Because uh, Really there are two legs, but in order to decide whether it's a profitable or a non-profitable struggle, one leg is enough to consider. Let me explain why that is the case. The, presumably, the housewife moves her custom from one brand to another because it's cheaper and just as good, the second one, as the first. But as I explained the, during the previous hour, the two legs are still there. They're still there because when you shift your customer away from one brand, that's we consider as a sale and starting buying the other brand is the purchase, is the long leg. So it's still there. But it's enough for the long leg to look at to decide that it's profitable because she's saving, she's buying something cheaper. Okay, so I don't have to return to that. But let me explain the four-leg straddle, which is very important. That has two long legs and two short legs. And uh, it takes time to complete all four. And only when the last leg is put into place, can you decide whether it's profitable or it turned out to be non-profitable. So you need all four legs, and that's why we call it four legs, because what happens is this. Uh, the, uh, the entrepreneur, is looking at the landscape of spreads. There are lots, of, lots, and lots of them because it's not just counting how many prices are, but pairs of prices. You see, so that makes the number of spreads much bigger than the number of prices. So we look at the landscape of spreads and the. Uh, The entrepreneur discovers a, very, a wide spread. For example, soybean and soybean oil. And that suggests to him that there is profit to be made. Because this spread is unusually wide. By the way, is this a vertical spread or a horizontal spread? Um, and the soybean and the soybean. Vertical, vertical. It's vertical. So the uh, entrepreneur or producer, as maybe, you don't have to produce. Soybean, you don't have to be a producer of soybean oil to do that, because you can go to the futures market and there is a contract for soybean, and there is another contract for soybean oil and you can uh, go long on, on the soybean oil and short on the soybean contract and just sit back and wait until the market rectifies itself. The spread will be closed because other people will notice the unusually widespread and they will enter the same But if you are a producer, then what this means is that you are going to have a widespread and if you produce more, if you increase your output of soybean oil, then you narrow these spread, And other producers may do the same. So, as a result, the spread will narrow Okay. So, what happens in time is this. There is an initial long leg and an initial short leg. In this case, you buy the soybean and sell the soybean oil. And then after a time, the spread closes. May not, in this case you will have a loss. But if you expect that it will narrow the spread, and it does, then at the appropriate time you will enter the opposite straddle, the closing long leg and the closing short leg, so uh, it's easier to explain in terms of the future market. You have bought the soybean contract and sold the soybean oil contract. That was your initial long and short leg. And when the spread moved in your favor, at a particular time, it's up to your judgment. Sometimes people overstay and then I'll end up with a loss. But let's just assume that the market moved in your favor, the spread narrowed, and you picked the right time to reverse and close out your long position and short position so when you close out a long position that's a short position short leg so call it the terminal short leg will cancel out your long position and your terminal long leg will cancel out your initial short position so these are the four legs, okay? The four legs of a four-legged straddle. And the point is, and that's why we call it 4 leg, is because you don't know whether you have profit or a loss until you enter the very last leg. You just have to enter it. Before you can calculate your profit. And I don't think I have to give you the formula how to calculate uh, the profit because you, you can calculate your outlay with the difference of the initial spread, the initial length, and then you have to subtract from this <clears throat> the difference of the spreads when you close out the tissue. So that's very typical and we, we can say that in the warehousing business that is at the heart of the operation. The warehouse operator uh, always works in terms of uh, four legged like, straddles. Uh, did you ask me to uh give example you, you, you put an example with figures. Of, of example of what? With some numbers. Uh, of of four, this? Four, yes. Of this? Yeah. So this is the right time. Yeah. yeah. Okay. But a, a very typical and important application is the elevator operator, and that's not the elevator in the high-rise building, but that's the elevator where they store typically stored grain when once a year the harvest comes in and the grain has to be stored and it's over a whole year that the stockpile in the elevator, stored in the elevator, is drawn down, you see? Once a year, harvest is made, the grain is put in the elevators, and then the uh, whole year, when During the following year, the grain is drawn down, so by next harvest, the elevator will be pretty empty again, and the next harvest will fill it up. Now, it's typical that at harvest time, at harvest time, the grain is cheap, right? Grain is cheap because it's plentiful. All the uh, producers are trying to sell as much as possible. But of course, uh, they are not desperate if they cannot. Su- suppose it's a bumper crop, then prices are especially cheap. You see? And the uh, the elevator operator will take advantage of the, the slow price and buy up until he fills his elevators but others could also store grain and it's their collective decisions what the grain price will be and then during the Year when grain is consumed, the elevator operator or the community of the elevator operators will have the control. They could sell their stored grain faster or more slowly. You see that it's a delicate game because you are trying to hold out to be the last to sell. But it has to be before the new crop comes in. So if you your estimation is correct, then you get top dollar for the last sale. If you sell out too fast, you won't get the top dollar, because the longer you wait, uh, the better price, typically the better price you will get. However, if you overstay, then uh, the new cup comes in, which is competitive with the old cup, and then the prices fall down, fall back again. So, this is the business of the warehouseman. Okay, I, I don't want to put numbers on okay. that. But now, the real advantage comes in when the warehouseman decides what type of grain to store. So, here is an example. Let's suppose that the grain elevator operator has two bins, let's call such a uh, vertical thing a bin, and he has two of them. And typically he uses one bin for wheat and the other for corn. Okay? These two. But sometimes he might find it to his advantage, to fill both with wheat, (coughs) both with corn. So that's another parameter for him to decide whether, in what proportion he will fill the two bins. So here's an example. Normally, say, he Fills one bin with corn, the other with wheat. (coughs) Straightforward. But suppose that this particular year he hears that, or through some intelligence, or or maybe just induced. He speculated that there will be a blight for the corn, uh, resulting in a much, much uh, lower output. So the cup, the, the corn cup, will be low in comparison with the wheat. Now this suggests to him that he should buy up the corn while it's still relatively cheap. Because when this knowledge about the blight becomes widespread, everybody knows that there is trouble, then they'll bid up the corn price. He wants to buy before. So he decides that he will fill both bins, with corn he doesn't bother with wheat because he expects that his profit will be so much greater if he concentrates on corn. And if indeed the blight occurs, that will be the case. You see. So. Uh, This is a very delicate mechanism, and remember I started the course with the Biblical uh, story of Joseph from Genesis, and this is an example of it. grain elevator operator has to be a good reader